In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an incredible, incredible guest here with me today, Adafia. How are you? I am doing so well, Pamela. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it is such an honor to have you. You are such a rock star in so many realms, real estate, author. I mean, where I just can't wait to get to get into it and just hear your journey. You know, every single journey is super unique, but especially yours. So I'm excited for that. And so with that, I'll start you off with the most loaded question, <laughs> which is what inspired you on your journey to where you are today? Oh my goodness. I guess I can say where I'm at today, having gone through a lot of soul searching um, over the past few years, we can talk about, I had a whole like period of burnout and really needing to like figure out how I wanted to show up in the world. Like, and so where I'm at today and what really inspires my journey today is a level of showing people being empowered around our finances and our wealth, especially for women, because having gone through this, where when I know my wealth building capabilities, when I put money to work for me, when I've got my finances straight, I am strong. I am confident. Like, I feel like you can't mess with me because I'm in charge of those things that so often make people feel powerless. Like I'm a victim to the system. I have to work. I have to do all these things. And then, but when we put a lot of attention on those and really take control of them, it's a game changer. Absolutely is. And I know there's many facets to your journey. So whichever one you want to speak to, but before we get into that, I love this question so much, but what did you want to be as a kid growing up? Oh boy. I wanted to be a paleontologist. What is that? <laughs> like a dinosaur bone digger. Oh. I loved dinosaurs when I was a little kid. So I wanted to be a paleontologist. I just wanted to be outside, be in nature, dig up dinosaur bones. Like, you know, just that, that really, that's what I wanted to do. That's so amazing. I never knew that term. Why is it? I was today years old when I heard this term. That's hilarious. So like I had this period in my life when I was a kid too, that I wanted to be an archaeologist. Mm-hmm. And then someone told me they're like how much school you have to go through. And then they told, <laughs> then they told me that most of the time you're just like dusting things off mm-hmm. and like, it takes years to find something. I was like, I don't think that would be fun anymore. <laughs> and then I just stopped. Yeah, exactly. I, I find that fascination as well. Oh, yeah. wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. So basically <laughs> you wanted to find the hidden gems. I did. I want to be out in the field. And and now like it's, I mean, it's completely different, but you know, sometimes when I'm like reading about macroeconomics and what has driven the system that we're currently in, it's 
kind of like being an archaeologist or a paleontologist of sorts where you're like digging up all these dinosaur bones that have like created the system that we're in that's like influencing us today I mean sometimes it's still shocking like to read because we don't go into that level of depth of economics even in school and I have um, two business degrees like or maybe I just wasn't paying that much attention to you know the creation of the petrodollar system or what have you but you know really taking the time to look into it and understanding it yeah I sometimes I do feel like a paleontologist. I'm like, those are, I mean, the petrodollar, I suppose is literally dinosaur bones made <laughs> to oil. <laughs> uh, yes, it is. Oh, man. So you, you, you touched on your journey a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like you think you were going through some soul searching for a yeah. while. We could touch on that and what that process career process looked like for you, your yeah. journey. It was really, it was 2017. And I was at, I would call it the pinnacle of my career. I mean, I got started working in a bank when I was 18. And so 2017, I'm 38. I'm like 20 years in. I have like pinnacle position of my career. And, you know, I basically like I left and I like I left the whole thing. And I thought I could never go back to business because I had like it was a combination of like burnout. But a lot of people will call it a spiritual awakening. And it was very much it was. But it doesn't feel good. Like these spiritual awakenings are not like you wake up and you hear angels and and the world is this like totally different, beautiful place, which honestly, I think that's what I thought it was. And instead, it was like the most profound, like personal crisis I've ever been through because I didn't know who I was anymore. Like I could not function as a business person anymore, if that makes sense. And I was coming up against these challenges where I couldn't make things work. And I've never experienced in my life where I haven't been able to get what I want by putting the work in. I just kept running up like into walls and walls and walls and walls because essentially where, what I realized in going through this process is that it took like a few months in like the really acute part of it. And then years to fully integrate and understand is I needed to stop. I was burnt out and that like emotionally, physically, psychologically, like I was out and, you know, I really had to do a lot of soul searching around what are my values and what's really meaningful to me so that I can show up in the right way and in the right place. Because at first I thought I can never go back to business because somehow I, I inadvertently, I don't know, I I judged it as bad. I thought, what have I done with my whole life, this career and investing and and finances? And am, am I a greedy, bad person? Like I really went through a lot of that soul searching. And in reality, like I came out the other side with a lot of clarity around, no, of course not. I have very good intentions. I want to invest for impact. I want to invest for sustainability for the world and for myself. Like I want to make meaningful decisions and investments. So, so no, it's like, I had to like do like an overhaul of my intentions. And then when I got to the end of that and all my values, I was so clear on that. I realized the only place that I could make the most amount of difference in the world was back in the investment realm. And that's where I came, which is antithetical to what a lot of people think happens in a spiritual awakening, which is you go become like, you know, some spiritual guru or like a yoga teacher or, you know, something like that. And that, that just, I love that space personally. And I have a very deep spiritual practice, but that's not where I belong to shine my light and make a difference. 
Yes. Oh my God. So many different things that you touched on that, that I really loved and that I'd like to dig into a little bit. I know there's a lot of burnt out people listening to this right now. (laughs) How did you know that you were burnt out? That sounds like a stupid question, but I know some people that literally just continue to run themselves through a wall continuously. It's like, how did you stop, pause and realize where you were at? I didn't. I didn't, not until after I kind of came out of it, if that makes sense. Like I kept doing the crazy person thing of trying the same thing that I've always done and would not get the results anymore. And I kept trying, you know, it's like, there's a saying that is what got you here won't get you there. And I kept trying to do what got me here and it wasn't getting me anywhere. (laughs) So I basically had a breakdown. I had like a total breakdown. Like I wasn't making any money. I felt like my marriage was in trouble. I had a house under construction. Like, I mean, everything just kind of culminated in this complete breakdown. And that breakdown led to a clarity, like I said, around the values. And, and I think it took a few months for me to realize that I was burnt out. We just, we don't know we're in it when we're in the fire. We don't know we're in it. Cause you just, you deal with it, especially when you are strong and independent. And like, I know I am, I know you are, I know a lot of women are, we have to be for so many reasons. And so we don't think it's okay to stop. We don't think it's okay to ask for help. And so I learned a lot of those lessons around stopping and making time in my day for myself. And I started meditating. I started doing my, my yoga practice again, regularly, like a lot of things went into that. And I think I realized it when I finally admitted that I needed to slow down. And when I started to slow down, I thought, Oh, I could feel the difference. And and I could feel that that was burnout. It was the worst, just the worst. Wow. And and what's crazy is that you were mentioning, like you couldn't do things that you could do before. Mm-hmm. And I totally feel you on this because I was in burnout stages so many times and you just like, it's like you hit a wall, but you got to come to realize that if you don't take care of you, right. Mm-hmm. Best, the best way someone put this for me was, was incredible. When they said a Ferrari, would it ever drive? without gas, no matter what type of car, even the greatest, they cannot drive without the proper fuel, which is like, it sounds so simple, but it's the truth. Like, where do you expect to go if you don't take care of you? And then it's like a domino effect in everything in your life. Yeah. Which is, which is why it's so important to take so that that doesn't happen. Cause if we want to be sustainably successful and, and happy and everything, we have to make sure we make space in our everyday life and take time for ourselves every single day so that it doesn't happen so that we basically never run out of gas, so to speak. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a slight shift. It starts from a mindset of not believing we can, or that we're allowed to, or we don't give ourselves permission to. And and this is why I'm really passionate about having these conversations with you and other women is like to like, we all need to do it for ourselves. And the more people hear it from me and from you and from others, the more we give each other permission so that it starts this really big ripple effect of, of women kind of, it's really a self-honoring, you know, it's a self-honoring. We have to take care of ourselves and really abolish this notion that it's selfish because that is one of the biggest lies that has ever been put upon women. Yes. Yes. And I feel like women, I mean, if you look at it, right. This whole COVID situation, 
women were hit the hardest. Mm-hmm. Even at, with working from home, women were experiencing burnout at like ridiculous rates. I remember seeing some stats, but I can't think of them off the top of my head, but I was like astounded between school and between, you know, partners having to be home and also work from home. Like there's a whole dynamic there. And I think women, especially because they're expected to do everything. You're expected to work. You're expected to be a mom and you're expected to cook, to clean, to do like, or one person. (laughs) Yeah. And women are also reportedly going to be set back in a return to work because a lot of them won't. And so there's going to be like a really multiple steps backward after decades of movement toward uh, women having the ability to have a career. And, and, and so I think with the awareness, we can try hopefully to change that, but it was, it's a little, it's disappointing to see that, you know, that this pandemic, it really disproportionately hit women across all socioeconomic classes. Right. I'm wondering, cause I'm also, another thing that I'm seeing is that more women are becoming entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So that could be like the light at the end of the tunnel is just, just more badass female entrepreneurs out there that are going to come and, and rock it. Cause I'm just noticing these patterns and I'm like, huh, this is very interesting. It'd yeah. be incredible because I, I think a lot more women are realizing that if they build their own business, nobody can ever tell them, no, you can't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're laid off or, or whatever, you know what I mean? Anyone dictate their futures and they have their own. So incredible. Yeah. And women are, I mean, they're great at running businesses. They're, you know, there's a lot of great statistics too, about how they're, you know, they actually return better returns as investors, like whether real estate investors or venture capital investors, or there's so many great statistics of anyone's listening and thinking, oh, that can't be me. Um, Let me tell you that, you know, statistically we excel because we're so diligent and we're so careful and we're so thoughtful and generally speaking, right. As a generalization, we're, we're a little more risk averse than, than men. So we're less likely to take a gamble, not to say we won't take uh, measured risks, but we won't take these crazy gambles. So I love seeing the statistics around women's success rate at being entrepreneurs and business owners and investors across the board. Yes. It's incredible. And so throughout your journey, so what helped you get out of that burnout? Like what are, what would be some, some tips and suggestions based on your experience to kind of get out of that? Cause it can be, yeah, it's it a can lot. be a pretty deep hole sometimes. Yeah. I would say the number one thing, which was the hardest was asking for help was mm-hmm. being able to, I guess it sounds like admitting, which is silly to me now, but I couldn't admit even to my husband that I wasn't okay for a while until I could, until I could say, Hey, like, I don't know what's happening to me. I really, I'm kind of don't know who I am anymore. And I need to figure out what's going on. And I started with that. I was able to find a community of people, dear friends that I could speak to and that could help me. And I personally went and I was very drawn to to so let's say like the, the spiritual community, because I had never even considered myself a spiritual person. I mean, for me, yoga was always a physical practice and, and I understood the benefits of meditation, but I hadn't really approached it from that really deep spiritual side. And in a way I found my faith and I realized that not only had I not been able to ask for help from to people around me, but I had 
been feeling like I didn't have any kind of support, let's say from life or the universe or, or like a greater force and whatever people call it. I don't know. I'm not the person to say what you should call that force. But my understanding of it for me is that I'm so connected and I'm so supported and I'm so loved and I'm not alone. And that was a game changer because I was like going through life, literally thinking it was all on me. Like talk about pressure. Yes. And I, my spiritual journey was very, very similar, very, very similar. Like when you realize that you're truly not alone, and there's opportunity to co-create and that there's like literally hundreds, if not thousands of supporters that you just can't see. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. Yeah. It's I love that word co-creating because that's like such a neutral way to describe it because we have so much power in, in just being able to access like our creativity, to be able to access our intuition, to be able to, to access this like really incredible energetic force that lives in our body. I mean, the science, like I went and went and looked for the science of it. Cause I'm not one to just believe things on like blind faith. Right. I'm like, no, right. I have a pretty linear, like left brain. <laughs> and so I want some proof. Cause I'm not just going to believe you. And the science is amazing. And it, it just shows what this is that we are, that's intangible that we can access, like, and it shows up in all the mindset work that we, that we see it shows up in, like, it doesn't have to be under the guise of spirituality. It simply is accessing even a different brainwave pattern right. of ours. And one of the big things to go back to your original question, I tend to meander, but around burnout is what really helped mm -hmm. was asking for help and really stopping, like really, really just taking a beat and, and having, creating more space in my day. So mm -hmm. when I wasn't working because all these things were going sideways, I tried to keep myself really busy as though I would trick myself into thinking that <laughs> I was doing something useful. And instead I just had to admit that I really just needed to do absolutely nothing. That space was where I started to connect to myself for the first time, like really connect to myself. And by connecting to myself, I found the strength and I found the answers that I needed. And that's the big thing for burnout is you, you a hundred percent need to stop and rest. And sometimes for a lot longer than you would like to rest. Right. I love that. I love that of like slowing down and that whole process. I mean, and it's crazy. Everyone has their own tactics, but it's always incredible to find out, you know, what worked for you, right? Yeah. It's incredible. So what started happening once you really tuned into you? So one of the big things that came out of it, as I mentioned, I thought I could never go back to the business world. And yeah. what actually came out of it is that in that moment, so here's the story. So I was in that moment where I was having this breakdown and I was very upset. I was very upset at the universe. I was yelling at the universe about how upset I was, what's going on with me. And I declared out of nowhere, because I wasn't expecting this to come out of my mouth, but I declared, I really want business partners. I want to go back to business. I want business partners who appreciate me for who I am mm -hmm. and not that they try to stick me in this box and this be the silver bullet and all these like ideas that I had in my head. And so I just like, I just want some really great business partners. Three days later, I got a call from 
well, now my current business partners has been three and a half years. And this is a true story. They called and I had like, I was advising them, thought they were a great group, uh, entrepreneurs in real estate, private equity. And I didn't think anything of it. And, um, you know, they called me and we had like a meeting and they said, you know, we'd like you to join as a partner, as a principal of the firm. And that's what came out of it because I got so clear on what I wanted and what my values were like strong partners. Like I don't, I'm not a solopreneur. That's not me. And I think that's what a lot of people think they should be. You know, it's like, oh, I need to be the solopreneur. Not for me. I'm not, I'm much better, even though I'm very independent, but I like to work with like very capable other people to grow a business. And I went back into real estate, which I love real estate investing. I love it. And it was kind of like the secret, but actually happening to me, which of course, you know, there's a long story around it. But the important thing is that when I got really clear, I was also unafraid to set boundaries, which is all on me because I didn't set proper boundaries in previous roles. I felt a little powerless, you know, I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't say this. And then with them, I, I kind of, in a way, in my own mind, I thought I have nothing to lose. I was like, this is like who I am. This is what I want. This is what I will do. And so every time I said very clearly, directly, these are my things, we were aligned. And that's very important in partnership, right? As you know. Amazing. Amazing. I just love that three days later. So when you got really clear on your intention and you made that happen, yeah. oh my gosh. Oh my, that's incredible. And then the rest is history when it comes to the real estate. Yes. Stuff. Yeah. It's been so much fun and we've grown so much. And, and it's just like, this is the, this is the business. This is the space that I want to be in like real estate. Like I love alternative investing. I mean, my background started in banking. So I, I kind of grew up around stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, all that good stuff. And then, and then when I discovered real estate, I was like, hold on, hold on a second. This is a real thing. And I have not looked back since like most of my personal portfolio is in real estate and I wouldn't have it any other way. Oh my gosh. And now I'm going to ask you your top tips in real estate investing in your experience. And then I would love to dive into your book because that sure. is incredible productive intuition. Yeah. I, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear all about yeah. that. So yeah, the real top real estate investing tips. I, I mean, I guess it depends on what kind of an investor you are. I work with a lot of people who don't want to be direct investors. So we have a private capital network and, and, you know, we syndicate, we do the underwriting, we do everything for investors. So my top tips are if you're going to be an active investor, make sure you love it mm -hmm. and have the time. And if you're not, then make sure you do spend a lot of time up front doing your diligence on who you want to invest with. It's really, really important for me and, and for anyone, right? Is like, there's a lot of people out there doing real estate, doing deals. And even though it's going to be passive, there's a lot of upfront work. So make sure that you put in that time, getting to know the, the person, the operator, the sponsor, you know, or the syndicator. So that would be a top tip. And along with that is really under like having a little more than a basic understanding of, of what it is. Right. So know that it's going to be locked up for a certain period of time, like know your risk tolerance, um, you know, really spending the time on, on understanding that and let's see. And then, I mean, those are the, like, those are the really big ones. It's like really vetting the people behind, like the people that are responsible for delivering your money and, and really understanding whether it's even right for you, whether you're active, active or passive or not at all. And, and it's totally okay. So having a, a lot of compassion, non-judgment 
around toward yourself? Because I talked to a lot of investors and they're like, oh, this is a stupid question. And I said, it's not. I have a background in finance and it took me forever to understand certain things about this space. So trust me, all your questions are more than valid. For sure. For sure. And I mean, for anyone who's listening, active and passive, the best way to explain it is active income is when you have to work for your money, like flipping houses, you know, real estate agent, the commission, stuff like that. And then the second element is passive, which is when your money works for you, which is like the greatest thing ever. And that, you know, with, with what you were mentioning, how to be with the, with either you can run your own investments, which again, takes a lot of time and should have some experience and partners that know what they're doing for sure. But you could also invest in a fund where essentially the fund then puts your money to work and then you get your returns on a monthly basis. So anyone who's listening just to differentiators and then, you know, when you were discussing like operator and stuff like that, if you could just like briefly explain who are the key players in a transaction like that for, for anyone who might be listening to this for the first time. It's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I know. I get. Yeah. So like an operator or a sponsor interchangeable. A lot of people call it a developer, but they're not necessarily building from the ground up. They're simply the the entity, the business that is purchasing the, the real estate asset it could be, let's call it an apartment building. It's very popular and they're running it. So they're buying it. They might do some renovations. They're going to try to lease it up. They're going to want to sell it for a profit later. So that's your operator. That's the person who runs the business of getting you your money back regularly through rental income, who deals with like toilets, tenants, termites, like all of that. They're the person that does that for you and you are a passive investor to them. So, so that's what, that's what an operator, that's what an operator is. And so when we talk about really getting to know them, I I mean it like really getting to know them. And, and that's why it's important to, to also get a, even a little bit educated on what it is. So, you know, what to ask and what to expect, you know, the, the right questions that you don't have to necessarily know how to do like a full, you know, show me your Excel file with your model and, and all of that, but like at least having a really good sense, if nothing else of the risk reward profile, because you need to make sure that you're getting appropriately compensated for the risk that you're taking. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. I know real estate is such like a hot ticket for me. It's something that I could talk about all day long. (laughs) But I would love, love, love to hear about your book, Productive Intuition. So tell me about that and and what sparked that? Yeah. uh, Well, my burnout did actually is, (laughs) is this is the book that I wish I had had when I was going through it. Because I was, you know, at that time I was, you know, like a well-known like executive in the fintech space. I'm this business person. I'm pretty hard driving and everything. And, and I was ashamed to talk to anyone about basically like, I was thinking I'm a failure, right. And nothing I'm doing is working. Therefore I'm still in more a failure. So I had like all the shame and all this stuff. And I didn't know that anybody could understand that what I would really, what I was going through, because it was emotional. It was like, I really don't know who I am anymore yet. I never had felt more myself. It's a very strange paradox where I'm, I'm discovering who I really am inside. And you can call this a higher self. I really believe this. And I'm kind of like, you know, I call it digging my soul out from under my ego. I'm really like finding this like shining gem that is me. And, um, but I've been this ego, this like acceptable identity. And so I can't talk to anybody 
about this what? is what I'm thinking. And so I wrote this book as, as basically a way to everything that I learned in my waking up written kind of like from the perspective of like, uh, whether you're burnt out or you're waking up, or you're just interested in like working with your intuition. Cause that's really what I, what I understood about myself is I'm so much more than my brain. I'm so much more than my thinking mind. I'm, I'm just, I'm this like incredible multifaceted like being, and we all are. And so how do I show up in work and in business as that big, giant, shiny thing that we all are. And so that's like, it really is a little bit of my journey. So there's a lot of my stories in there. A lot of the things that I learned a ton of research. Um, so a lot of science, um, because it really helps us when we're, when we are analytical and when we are business oriented to, to, to have the information that, that helps us lock in and say, oh, okay, this can make sense to me. Um, Cause it's fair to be skeptical. I mean, there's a lot of like weird stuff out there that just asks you to yeah. blindly, blindly follow. So the, the book really came out of, out of that journey and everything that I learned, basically integrating my spiritual self back into my outer, my outer identity. And now I get to show up as this very like strong, like whole person. And I'm not afraid to speak to my spiritual side and talk about intuition and, and talk about even these like crazy magical moments, like manifesting my partnership, you know, and, and they're real and we can all do it. And it's super exciting. And imagine if we can apply the entirety of who and what we are to everything that we do, and especially to work. So you mentioned something manifesting your partnership. Oh yeah. You talked about that earlier. I don't know why I yeah. thought Oh my God, there was somebody, there was somebody that told me that they, um, that they were, they manifested their, their husband. Oh like, yeah. Like they met within like hours. It was the craziest wow. thing. I was like, I believe it. That you met, you know, like your partner, partner. Oh my God. Yeah. Because yes, you I three believe days, it. three days mm-hmm. and they called mm-hmm. and they called you to be a partner. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like, Hey, how you doing? Like we thought yeah. of you. it's like, no, come join us. Yeah. <laughs> what intention did you set in order to make that happen? Just curious. <laughs> You know, I didn't, it was just, I got real mad and I got really mad when I was like shaking my fists and I was really angry. I'm like, this is all I want. (laughs) Give it to me. And, you know, but I actually had like a similar thing happen when I was like, gosh, maybe it was like a year later, we remodeled our garage because actually a friend of my husband's uh, wanted to move in as like a permanent renter in, in the garage. And so we remodeled it into an ADU and like three quarters of the way through the remodel, he tried to like renegotiate the whole rent and wanted like half as much. And it totally wouldn't have been worth it. And I sat down and I started getting really angry again. If you can't tell my, like, I get real angry. And I, and I, and I said, and I asked, and I said, I said, what is the lesson? What is going on for real? I can't handle this. And I just like outwardly, I was like, what is this? And I demanded an answer. And then, and then like that night we were talking about it with my husband and we kind of were like, why don't we Airbnb it? And we did. And my goodness, we did so well on that Airbnb way better than if we had even taken, even if he had come in and not tried to renegotiate, we did so much better. That whole Airbnb situation helped us get a whole lot more value for when we actually sold the house last year. So 
you know, it's like when things don't go your way, so to speak, like your ego is like, no, I can't handle this. I want things my way, only me, 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 the way I want it. And if you just let go and just ask your higher self or God, the universe, whatever you want to call it. And maybe you don't have to get angry. That was just how I started. My learning was like, I would get really frustrated and angry, but now I don't have to. Now I'm a little nicer about it, but like, I do ask the question, like, what's the lesson? Yeah. Why is this happening? Help me understand, help me find a solution. Mm-hmm. That's how I set the intention. I set the intention to receive the answer. Mm, I love that. Set the intention. So you receive the answer. Wow. Well, then everyone's just got to check out that book and make magical things. happen. <laughs> <laughs> sure. We are magical. It's like, we, we are magical. And then, I mean, you've had synchronicities happen, right? When well, yeah. it, that's all that is because you're putting it out there. Everything's energy and everything's like proven it's quantum, it's energetic. And so you have to be really careful about what you say. Mm-hmm. And what you intend, which is why I went through a purification of intention and I got really clear on my intention and on, I come from a very open hearted place and, and like my life intention is to live with an open and fearless heart. And so I show up in everything that I do that way. And it can be uncomfortable sometimes, but it's always worth it. Yes. Oh my God. 100%. 100% agree with you on that. But I just love like sharing the intention and being really intentional about everything, right? Like you said, yeah. you show up in your whole life in every situation like that, right? Like how much more powerful can we become as people if we're constantly living with, with intent and purpose yeah. in everything that we do, which is so awesome. And then <laughs> of course you can manifest easily if that's what mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, oh, it's just luck. No, there's not. There's a formula. Manifestation formula. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> And now I have a question for you. This is my favorite question, which is what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? Chill out. (laughs) Like, like, just like take a breath and just don't push so hard, which is part of manifestation, by the way, it's receive just so hard for women to receive because we're always giving but it really is, it is like, Hey, you don't have to push so hard. You don't have to fight at all. You don't have to be at all. Like just, just, just take a moment. It can be more easeful. Just take a step back and just receive. I love it. And so Adapia, what, what's up in your world in the next like six to 12 months? Like what, what's, what's going on? What's new on the horizon? Oh my goodness. So much. So, um, well, I have the book and the book actually sparked a course, um, of a different name. It's called writing the self. And what writing the self is, is the process that I discovered and used to get to where I am today. I'm like how I was able to do this inner work to get so very clear on my values and, and on who I am. And it really is a form of taking your power back from your past. It's, it's kind of like subconscious reprogramming. So I have this course called writing the self, uh, which is coming out in November. And then I am very excited about this as it's more related to my primary work, which is I am starting a mastermind, a wealth mastermind for women, because I'm just so intent. Like my intention is to empower more women to really own their wealth because most women statistically are great savers, but saving 
does not build wealth. Investing builds wealth. And beyond that, there's all the different strategies. Real estate's a part of it. So I'm starting this mastermind for women who really want to take control of this. And, and it's, it's transformational. As you know, when we take control of this, it's like there, I don't know if there's anything more like practically transformational, like not spiritually, but practically transformational than like just owning your wealth and making your money work for you. Yes. Oh, it changes lives. Yeah. It changes lives. And having that passive income is, can make a huge difference. Yeah. You pay off one of your kids' colleges or the house or God. I mean, there's so many different, yeah. so many different things. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. That's incredible. I'm so excited to see all of it and to see where it all takes <laughs> off. And we're oh, so exciting. And thank now, you. Of course. Now, where can everybody find you? I would say the easiest place to find me is on LinkedIn. So if you're listening to this and I'm pretty easy to find, just, you know, type my name at a PIA, A-D-A-P-I-A. I'll show up in any search engine. I'm like the only one. So DM me on LinkedIn and let me know that you, that you heard me on the underdog podcast. And if you're interested in the mastermind or the course or what have you, just, just let me know. I love connecting with people. Or even if you just want to connect, please do. I'm it's all fundamentally it's about building the community of women that know that they're here to support one another. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that and for sharing where everyone can find you. I'm so excited to see where everything takes off for you and just how it continues to just keep going up and up and up. And I'm excited for hopefully you have another book coming out soon. It's going to be around the money wealth thing. It's going to be, I got so super, super clear on all of this, that that's going to be the next one is really like, is completely redefining wealth and impact. And I mean, like, let's be honest, money, money, wealth in the right hands changes the world. Wealth in my hands changes the world. Wealth in your hands changes the world. Right. And so this is like, this is it. And, And like taking wealth creation into our own hands changes our own lives. And so I think that's going to be my next book. Oh, you heard it here first. Cause it's the first time I've said it out loud. <laughs> that's so awesome. Cause I like felt something like, tell me like, uh, I'm, there's something else coming. Oh, yeah. so, so <laughs> my honored. head is tingling. <laughs> ah, so honored. So honored that we heard it here first. Thank you so much again, Natapia for being here. It's such an honor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift. And join us on the next episode.